Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crossroads. My name's Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad you've come out today. We're continuing in our series, Making Forever Friends. I hope right now you'll look in your program and you'll take out your communication card. You can share prayer requests there. Maybe you have some comments or feedback. You want to sign up for something that's coming up. Uh, while you're looking at that, I want to mention a couple activities or opportunities that are coming in the next few weeks. We have baptisms on uh, August 8th and 9th. And maybe you've received Christ, but you haven't taken that step to make it public and get baptized. And you want to sign up for that or talk to somebody about that, you can write baptism on your communication card. Also, we have a big chicken wing cooking contest coming up in a few uh, weekends. And uh, I'm sure that many of you can make some really great chicken wings. I'm looking forward to getting to sample many of them. I hope you'll sign up. Uh, you can sign up there on your, on your card or go next door and talk to them about it in the kids' ministry. They're going to be sponsoring that. And also, uh, we have a redesigned website that went uh, active this week. Fred's been working real hard on that, so I hope you'll check that out. So uh, also in your program, you'll find an outline, a place where you can take some notes and follow along. I think that'll be helpful for you. And let's pray together. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your spirit that uh, guides us, comforts us, directs us, encourages us, and empowers us, Lord. And I pray that uh, you would give us your heart through your spirit in us. You would give us your heart for people that are far from you. God, break our hearts for what you care most about people that are lost and separated from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, the year was 1940, 75 years ago. Man, things were looking really, really dark. Hitler had launched his uh, invasions across Europe. Uh, Poland had fallen. France was falling. Holland had fallen. Belgium surrendered. And so here it was, uh, the English army and a big remnant of the French army, they were like trapped up against the, uh, the sea there in France at a, near a place called Dunkirk. They were trapped. They had nowhere to go. They were helpless. And it looked like most of their army was going to be wiped out or destroyed. And then England would be out of the war too. And so they didn't know what to do. They, they told the king, they told parliament, hey, prepare yourself for the worst. We can't rescue these people. We can't get our Navy boats in close enough to shore. The water's too shallow. And we don't have enough boats here anyway because they're scattered all over the world in other conflicts. And so it was really a grim time. Like things were hanging in the balance. And they, they rallied people together in England and said, we've got to go across this channel and do whatever we can to save these soldiers and so probably the most weird mix, the most um, unique flotilla of ships set out to rescue all these soldiers. I mean, there were, there were pleasure boats, you know, cruising boats, there were fishing boats, there were fire brigade boats, there were trawlers, there were tugboats. They crossed that channel and they went into that shore, that beach at great risk, and they began to ferry those soldiers. Some of those boats carried the soldiers from the shallow water out to the deeper water where they could get on the big ships. Some of them carried them all the way across the English Channel. Many of those little ships, they were, they were being uh, captained by civilians, by volunteers. People who just wanted to come and save whatever they could of England's army and this French army that was left. And so at great risk to their lives, many of these boats were sunk as they crossed the Channel. They were sunk by the German airplanes. They were able to rescue uh, over 90% of the soldiers that were trapped there. It was an amazing victory. It was like, you know, in the midst of this huge defeat, crushing defeat in Europe, they were able to save these soldiers so they could help them later 
in the war. And so it gave England hope. It boosted their morale, helped them to stay in the battle. And so many of these people stepped up to save total strangers, to put their lives at risk, to cross the English Channel, to bring people back home. And you know, today, God's given us a life and death mission. There are people all around us, thousands and thousands of people around us who are far from God. They're separated from him. We know if if you believe the Bible, their future is hopeless, separated from God. They need Jesus Christ. And God's given us this rescue mission to get up out of our seats and cross the office or cross the street or cross the classroom and help bring some people back home to Jesus. That's the mission God has given us. That's why I'm here. That's why our church is here. We exist to lead seekers to love Christ. And God's given us this mission You know, I care passionately about it, but I have to be honest, sometimes I'm not very good at executing it. Sometimes I I don't do my best. Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I get discouraged. What can I really do? I mean, what can I do? I, I don't know how to connect with people. They don't seem to really care. They don't seem that interested. They're consumed with all the things that the world has to offer. What can I do? And I make assumptions that people aren't really interested I buy into the the facade that they put on in their lives, that everything is good and everything is okay. Sometimes, if I'm honest, I'm a little paralyzed by fear. I'm a little nervous. I don't want my neighbors to think, oh, there's that religious nut job again. You know, he's invited me to church. How many times now? And sometimes I hold back just a little bit. I have to catch myself because, you know, this is a, honestly, I believe it's a life and death mission. They need Jesus more than anything else in the world. And then sometimes... This is probably the bigger problem. I just get too busy with my own personal agenda, my own checklist of all the things I've got to get done for my family, for my home, for my job, all the things I need to take care of. I just get blinders on, and I miss opportunities. And I'm sure many of you can relate to some of those things that hold me back sometimes from from participating in this mission that God has called us to do. You know, God cares deeply about you and me, cares about our personal lives, and he's given us this mission because he cares deeply about other people too who don't know him. I like this quote from Dennis Rainey. He said, Jesus Christ didn't go to the cross just so we could have happy homes and fulfill the American dream. I mean, Jesus did come to give you life, to improve. If you follow God and you live life his way, your relationships, many of them are going to get better. He does care about your homes. He does care about your life, but that's not why he's left us here. He's left us here on this mission And Dennis Rainey reminds us, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came, and that's the mission he's given us. Jesus commissioned us in Acts 1.8. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Can you underline that phrase, you will be my witnesses? He says, you're going to tell people what you've seen, what you've experienced, what God has done in your life. And you don't have to do it in your own power, in your own strength, but you have my spirit in you. You have my spirit living in you. Somehow, when we invite Jesus into our lives, we confess our sins, and we turn back to God, and we commit to live and follow him, put our faith in Jesus, God sends his spirit to dwell in us. Now, we don't become puppets. We cooperate with God's spirit, but we have his power, his person in us. And he says, you will be my witnesses. And sometimes we just get all these assumptions. We get so messed up when it comes to inviting someone to church or inviting someone to receive Christ, sitting down to share our faith. And so we we have to take this mission seriously. 
And so I hope I got your mind working a little bit. I want you to have a little fun now with this video that kind of breaks through some of those assumptions that we sometimes, sometimes have about witnessing and sharing our faith. So watch this with me. Our black sheep friends had a lot of fun with that last night. So God, God's commissioned us to get into this journey. But we get so wrapped up doing other things. We get so distracted. And uh, sometimes we just don't know what to do. We have a heart to invite others or share our faith, but we just don't know how to do it. So I want to share some encouragement with you today of how you can give a high-impact invitation. So number one on your outline is prepare, prepare your heart and your mind. Prepare your heart and mind. You know, I'm sure when those, those guys who had their, their own private boats pulled their boats out of dock to go across the English Channel to help save some soldiers, I'm sure they prepared before they set out. They made sure they had enough fuel and put, threw some life jackets in, water, food, whatever they might need for the soldiers. They, I'm sure they prepared before they took off. And Jesus said, when we share, when we step up and we witness about him, when we share about him, when we encourage others about spiritual things, he said we'd receive his power. We wouldn't have to do it in our own strength. So doesn't it make sense that if Jesus has offered us his power, his spirit, doesn't it make sense that we would do everything we could to be as filled up with the Holy Spirit as possible? If you're going to go out on this mission that, I mean, to be honest, makes me nervous, I'm a little nervous about sharing and talking to people that don't know Christ, then if we're going to go out on this mission, it makes sense to me that we would want to be as filled up with God's spirit and his power as possible. Here's what Paul said. He said, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Can you underline that phrase, be filled with the Spirit? In fact, the Greek language is a lot more specific than English. Their verbs have different tenses. I'm not an expert on it or anything, but I do know that this phrase right here says, it has this idea of being continually filled. It's not like a one-time thing, like you get filled up and now you're filled forever. It's like you have to consistently be filled up. It's an ongoing process. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But he says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. You know, as you're filled with God's Spirit, there's something that happens in your heart. Even when life is hard, even when life is difficult, you have some joy, you have some peace, you have some contentment in you that somehow begins to flow out of you if you're truly full of God's Spirit. You might circle the word sing and give thanks. There's something that comes out of you that's going on in your life, this positive, positive things. Well, if I sing, it's not super positive, but there's this positiveness coming out of you, right? It's like your heart, and it, it influences you. God's Spirit influences you. He, he leads you. He guides you. Jesus said he's your comforter. He, he'll help you to understand God's Word. He'll help you to apply it. He'll help direct you. And so you have God's Spirit influencing you. He makes the contrast... Uh, compared to someone who's had too much to drink and now they're influenced by alcohol and their inhibitions are gone and they begin to do things they wouldn't normally do. He says, don't be influenced by alcohol. Don't let alcohol lead your life or other things, but let God's spirit lead your life. Let God lead you, influence you. Be filled up with his spirit. So often God's spirit, it, it nudges me. Hey, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't look at that. Hey, go talk to that person. Do this. Show some kindness. So he, he nudges us or he guides us to do some things. We have his power and his guidance and his presence working in us. And so how do we get filled up with God's spirit? Do we just show up at church? Is it like going to the gas station and we just get our weekly fill up? I think it's a daily decision that you make. Every day you, you're, you get up, you're living your day. Who's in charge? 
Are you surrendering your life to Jesus and trying to live for him? Or are you living for yourself? Are you taking control back? Are you going to do things your way and the world's way? I think the way that we, we're influenced and we're filled up with God's spirit is we allow God to lead us. We submit to him. We seek his guidance. We look to God. We live with an awareness. And so it's surrendering every area of our life. If you have some area where you know God's telling you, don't do that or do this, but you decide to do what you want anyway, you're saying, God, I don't want you to influence me so much right now. You're kind of pushing the spirit down. And it's not that you're stronger than God's spirit. It's just he wants you to willingly surrender. He's not, he's not taking you over and making you do stuff. He wants you to surrender to him, and then he'll lead you and guide you. And so you want to be filled up. If there's people you love, that you know that they're lost, they're separated from God, that they're hopeless without Jesus Christ, and there's people you want to share with, then let me encourage you to prepare your heart. Surrender to God daily. Take some time to get connected with him and say, God, help lead me and guide me throughout today. Peter says this. First, he says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. It's like a mental decision of your will. I'm making Jesus Lord. I'm going to follow him, put him in first place. And then he says, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Can you underline that phrase, always be ready to explain it? I know a lot of times people get really nervous about trying to share their faith or sit down and invite someone or talk to someone about what they believe. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Just understand the most basic things. If you were here last week, Pastor Paul did a great job, you know, outlining the core of what we believe as followers of Christ. And if you need a refresher course, you can come to a follower of Christ class. It's, it's very easy to begin to grasp the very basics. What do you believe? What did Jesus do for you? Why does it matter that you have him in your life? But God wants you to be prepared to share. It's like this student, this college student, you know, finals came around and he'd been goofing off and he really wasn't prepared for his exam. And he goes in, he sits down to take the exam, he pulls out a coin, because it's a multiple choice test, he pulls out a coin, and for, for two hours he's sitting in the back of the classroom, flipping, all the other students finish the test, but this guy just keeps flipping the coin and looking nervously at his paper. So, time's up, professor comes back and says, look, I, it's pretty obvious to me you didn't study for this test. I mean, it's just, it's just very obvious. So what are you doing still here? What are you doing back here flipping this coin? The student goes, shh checking my answers. Multiple choice. Okay. Anyway, he wasn't prepared. He wasn't pre- they thought it was funny last night. He wasn't prepared, okay? He wasn't prepared for his test. He wasn't prepared. God wants you to be prepared. If someone says, well, wh- what do you believe? Why do you believe this? Why do I need Jesus anyway? I mean, just the basic, simple questions. You don't have to be able to answer all the difficult, hard, intricate questions about our faith. But be able to explain the basics. What do you believe? It's not that hard if you make a little effort to prepare yourself. You know, in your program, there's a class coming up in a few weeks, How to Share Your Faith. You can sign up for that class on a Saturday night, and you can get some uh, pointers to kind of sharpen being able to share your faith, to be able to invite someone to hear about Jesus or invite someone to come to church with you. And when you're filled with God's Spirit, it's very attractive. It changes your demeanor. It makes you more joyful and more positive. And another thing that will make you positive as you prepare to share your faith is number two, if you practice what you preach. If you practice what you preach. I mean, who likes to be around someone who doesn't practice what they preach? I mean, that's one of the biggest complaints about Christians and the church, right? People say, why should I go to church? Those people are no different 
than me. Our life should be marked by something different if we truly know God and we have Jesus in our lives. You know, there was a story about an old rancher, true story. He, he went to town to visit, visit his family, and they didn't go to church. So he decided to go, get up and go to church on his own, and he wore his nice, clean, old, beat-up rancher clothes. I mean, he was clean, but he wore his worn jeans and his creased boots and his flannel shirt and his old dusty hat. He dusted off. He went to church, and they happened to be in a nicer part of town. He walks in, and everybody's dressed up really nice. It's the nicest church he's ever been in. He's looking around in the lobby. There's a sign that says, Welcome home. Experience God's love here. He goes into the service, and it's pretty obvious that people are uh, not real comfortable with his presence. Nobody comes and greets him. They give him a lot of room in the, in the pews. They're kind of looking at him a little funny. And at the end of the service, the pastor comes up to him and he says, Hey, mister, I'd just like, you to ask, I'd like to ask you to do a favor. And the guy says, Sure, whatever you want, pastor. He says, Well, before you come back next week, I'd like you to pray and ask God what, what he thinks you should wear when you come back to church next week. So next week, the old boy shows back up at church. He's dressed you know, in the same kind of clothes, walks in. Pastor's a little frustrated with him. He pulls him aside. He says, hey, mister, I thought you told me you would, you would go home and pray about what to wear when you came back to church this week. And the old guy says, you know, pastor, I, I did. And God told me he doesn't know what to wear there either. He's never been here. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised the guy went back. <laughs> but I mean, who, who likes to be around hypocrites? Jesus didn't. Look what he said in Matthew 23, 3. He warned us. He says, you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They didn't practice what they preach. They didn't have love for God and compassion for others. They weren't really following it themselves. They were just doing the religious thing, making themselves look good on the outside. And I don't want to intimidate you because, you know, none of us are perfect, And sometimes people say, well, I want to share with my friends, but you know, I don't have my life all together. Well, that's okay. Is there evidence in your life that you're trying to follow Christ, that your life is changing, that your heart is changing? Are you becoming more loving, more compassionate, more kind? And so is there things, if they look at your life, they could see, and are you trying to cover up your mess? Because see, that's the problem with religious people. They They want you to think that they're better than they really are. I mean, be authentic. You can tell your friends, hey, Hey, I know you guys really know me. I don't have it all together, but let me tell you, I love, I love to share with you about Jesus. He's really changing my life or making me better. I'd love to take you to church with me where you could find out more about him. And you're just honest and you practice what you preach. That's very attractive. The third thing is pray for some open doors and eyes to see them. Pray for some open doors. And by an open door, just mean an opportunity, a, a chance to you know, the right time, a good, a good uh, opportunity to really talk to someone about Jesus or invite him to church. Paul said this in Colossians, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Can you underline that phrase? I mean, that would be a great prayer for you to pray for someone that you're trying to reach, someone that you're trying to invite. Just say, God, give me an open door for this message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul was in prison at the time. He said, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. You underline that phrase, make the most of every opportunity. You know, sometimes we just, we just blow right by those opportunities because our heart's not sensitive. We're not, it's not that we're 
we're bad people. We're just not being filled with the Spirit right now. We're not really in tune with God and what He wants to do in us and through us. And sometimes we just miss opportunities. Sometimes I kick myself later like, oh man, I totally missed that chance. And I want you to watch a video that kind of will help, uh, help express that, that idea of, of uh, opportunities that are all around you. Oh, hey, I'm your neighbor from down the street. You've probably seen me chasing my kids up and down here. It's a beautiful day. It's good to see you guys coming by. I just, um, I don't know, do you want to hang out sometime? It's, we've never said more than two words to each other. I've just waved at you a couple times, taking out the trash. I'm embarrassed to say I don't even know your name. Do you guys have kids? I see you every couple weeks at the grocery store. You're usually in a rush. But sometimes you stop and say hello. Do you remember last Christmas when I told you my mom was really sick? You stopped and listened when I told you about my family. Well, she's doing better now. I think you invited us to church that year. That really made my whole Christmas. Hey, you know me. I work down the hallway from you. I don't know if you remember, but last week I told you that I was moving out of my house. What I didn't tell you is that my wife is leaving me. To be honest, there aren't too many people I can talk to about that right now. I was hoping that you might ask me how things were going, but I guess you were too busy. To be honest, I'm jealous that you can pray to God about your problems. God wouldn't have anything to do with me right now. I'm a wreck. But I understand if you don't have time to talk to me about my problems. Hey, I totally get it. I know you guys are busy. You guys are always off to church or sporting events or whatever it is you guys are doing. I'm busy too. Believe me. Guess I was just hoping to get around some folks that could talk to me a little bit about raising these kids. Sorry I didn't get your name. I just wanted to say thanks. And if you want to invite my family to church again this year, I think we're up for coming now. Hey, don't sweat it. I'll be fine. I think some guys are going out next week. You don't have to ask me again. It's no big deal. Hey, don't worry about it. You don't have time for a guy like me. Take it easy. I don't know about you, but I watch that video and I feel pretty convicted. Like sometimes I just miss opportunities. It says make the most of every opportunity. You know, pray, ask God to open some doors, but also say, God, help me not to miss the opportunities that are all around me. And then the fourth thing is proclaim God, uh, Christ's work in my life. You, know, you can invite, you can share, you can prepare, you can, live, you can live the life, you can spend time with people, but at some point you've got to use some words. At some point you've got to speak up and share. You know, um, it's kind of ironic. You know, like when the Giants win the World Series or the Warriors win the, the NBA championships, I mean, I'll be out, if, if you just wear your Warrior shirt or a Giants shirt or hat or whatever, complete strangers will come up and talk to you about the team and all excited about it, right? It like creates this camaraderie and people want to share. They want to, they want to talk about it. And, you know, we have this wonderful thing. You know, we have Christ in our life, something that he's doing in our life, changing us. And yet it's so hard for us to share about that with other people. And again, 
think giving a high-impact invitation is not whipping out a tract or, or giving some memorized, rehearsed speech. I think it's just sharing about what God is doing in your life, how He's helping you. Just what's going on in your life? How's He blessing you? How's He changing your heart? How's He changing your home? How's He helped you get a handle on your finances or an addiction you're struggling with or an anger problem or whatever it might be? You know, it's really hard for people to argue with what God's doing in your life. I mean, you can try to reason with them from the Bible, and they can argue with you and push back, but it's hard to argue with, when, especially if they see the changes that are going on in your life. They see that somehow you're different. One time, Jesus healed a man he, who was demon-possessed. This guy's life was a mess. It was out of control. He couldn't control himself. Jesus healed him, and this guy, out of the gratitude, he wanted to just leave and follow Jesus and go with him and his disciples, and Jesus said, no, go home to your own people. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus didn't say go back and tell them all about the, the four spiritual laws and tell them all about, you know, reason. He said tell them about what Jesus has done for you. How has he changed your life and how he had mercy on you? Just simple. What has he done for you? Now reflect on your own life. What has God done for you? How is your life different because you have Jesus Christ in your life. You know, I, I know a lot of you, I know Jesus hasn't made your life perfect. He hasn't fixed all your problems. But I know for many of you, your life has changed for the better. Your heart's changed. Your perspective on life, your purpose, your priorities, your contentment. What has God done for you? Be open and looking for ways, you know, when the time is right, again, you're being filled with God's spirit. You're following his leadership. You're praying. You're looking for opportunities. You're trusting he's going to nudge you. Don't shrink back. Be prepared to shift the conversation. If someone says, hey, what did you guys do last weekend? Great opportunity. Hey, we, we, went, we cleaned out the garage on Saturday morning. We went hiking on Saturday night. And Sunday, we went to church with my family like we usually do. Hey, do you guys ever go to church? <coughs> Great opportunity right there. Maybe you're talking to a neighbor, and they're complaining to you about how long it's taking them to get home from work in the traffic, and how angry they're getting with rude drivers on the road, and you can say, hey, you know what? I, I, I struggle with losing my temper in traffic too, but God's really helped me. He's helped me have some self-control to calm down. Just little, little things, sharing a common struggle. When someone says that their marriage is struggling, or having problems with their kids, or they're, they're going in for a test for cancer... They say, hey, I'm going to be praying for you about that. And then, then let me encourage you, go home, put it in your phone or on your calendar four or five days down the road. Try to follow up with that person. Come back to them and say, I've been praying for you. You know, what's, what's happening? How are you doing? You know, you're not alone. I care about you. God cares about you. And sometimes I've experienced in those situations, that's when God does a big miracle in somebody's life when they know someone is praying. God, like, shows them his power. He reveals himself. But you can take an opportunity to pray for someone. If you're worried, you don't know what to say. Again, we have God's power in us. Paul said in Ephesians 6, ask God to give me the right words. Ask God to give you the right words so you can talk, you can explain, you can share with others. And again, I I know sometimes you just get so worried. What what do I say? What am I going to... I love the story of the, the blind man that Jesus healed. And the religious leaders were so upset because Jesus healed this guy on the Sabbath. And they weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath and healing is work. And they said, so obviously Jesus couldn't be a good man or he couldn't heal on Sabbath. So he's a big sinner. And if he's a big sinner, he couldn't really heal this guy. So this guy must not have even really been blind. And so they started interrogating this guy. 
And finally, this guy in frustration, he says, I don't know whether he's a sinner, but I know this, I was blind and now I see. I mean, what do you know? Can you say, I, I was angry, but now God's given me peace. I was lost. I had no purpose, no focus in life, but now I know God. I know my Father. I have purpose. I, I was empty, but now I, I feel like full of God and joy. I mean, what can you say about your life? What do you know? It's a simple testimony. What was your life like before Christ? What was your life like after Christ? And then I love Nathaniel. You know, sometimes we say it's so hard. The hardest people to share with is my family. Nathaniel, he met Jesus. Jesus, uh, he, uh, he, he was so excited. He ran back to tell his brother Philip about Jesus. And his brother Philip was like scoffing like, hey, this couldn't be the Messiah. This couldn't be the Savior. Here's what he said. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Come and see, said Philip. And you might circle that phrase, come and see. Someone's pushing back a little bit, arguing a little bit, just say, come and see. You know the beautiful thing I know when I invite someone to come to Crossroads? I know that they're going to experience love. I know they're going to experience warmth from the people here. I know it's a, a great, safe place to invite people. Come and see. I know people here aren't perfect, but their lives are being impacted by Jesus. And I think many of you will like number five. Number five is party on purpose. Have a party, have a barbecue, have a cookout. I know a lot of the families at Crossroads love to have a good party. I've been to some of your parties. You, you eat pretty good. You have some good food. You have some good times. You have some cool friends. Party on purpose or play on purpose. You know, be intentional about what you do with your discretionary time and how you use that time. One day, Jesus called Levi, or he's also known as Matthew. He wrote the book of Matthew. Jesus was out, and he called Matthew. He said, come follow me. And Matthew was a tax collector. And just a quick reminder, the tax collectors were like, considered like some of the worst sinners. They were like traitors to the Jewish people. They were helping the Roman government. They would often cheat people and rip them off. They were not welcome in the spiritual circles. And so Jesus called Levi, Matthew, to come follow him. See, Jesus didn't spend most of his time at the temple or at the synagogue. He spent most of his time out in the world around regular people in real life situations. He got out of the, the little, you know, temple bubble or church bubble and he went out into the world. And so here's what happened. You know, Levi started following Jesus. And it says, later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Rebel scum. Jesus told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. You know, I was thinking about this party. You know, I was thinking about this. I, I was thinking... Maybe Jesus' friend, I mean, maybe Matthew's friends weren't so excited to hear that a, a religious teacher was coming over. Or maybe they were curious about Jesus. I don't know. Maybe they had some issues. But Matthew created a climate. He created a climate of hospitality, he, good food, a chance to get together and just hang out and relax. He created that climate where, where people who were following Christ and people who were far from God could come together and just hang out and have a good time together. 
He, he had this party on purpose. Sometimes people call it a Matthew party. Have a party where you invite some, some of your friends. Maybe you're having a birthday party or a graduation party or a July 4th barbecue or you're just having a party because you want to have a party and you invite your friends over. But maybe think, you know, be intentional. Who are my good friends from, from church or from my small group that I would like to invite over to connect with some of my family members who don't know God? Who would connect well with Aunt Sarah or Uncle Matt or whoever? Who would, who would connect with my kids? Who, would, who could you invite? And then try to create that climate where people can hang out together and some, some barriers begin to go down. And people, people have so many stereotypes about how Christian people are. They think they're so judgmental or so uptight, but they begin to relax around a, a good meal and having some good times to hang out together. Plan a Matthew party. You know, some of you, some of you are really into sports. You know, your kids play soccer or baseball or softball, whatever it is, and you coach or you go. I had a professor in seminary, Mike Thompson. He was really involved in his church, but he made a decision that he was still going to be a good full-in church attender, but he needed to cut back some of his church activities because he woke up one day and realized, I spend all my time at church and at the seminary, and I don't have any friends who are far from God. I don't hang out with anybody. And so he started going to all his daughter's soccer, uh, softball games with the intention, not just of going and cheering for his daughters, but he started really being intentional about making friends with other parents. And then he would invite different parents out for coffee or dessert. And at the end of the season, he had a big barbecue. And as he began to build these friendships, he was sharing his faith. And he was, he was enjoying life on purpose. In your, car, in your program, you have some invite cards. And we're going to be kicking off a new series, God at the Movies. We're going to look at five movies uh, that Hollywood produced, big movies that ha- uh, talk about our faith or things from the Bible. And we're going to look at that and see what they got right and point people to God. But just to see some movies that have been out there in the last couple of years, share those together. But I want to encourage you to invite someone. We've, we've given you a tool that makes it easy to say, hey, come and check out my church. And if you've never been before, to make it worth your time, if you come, come once, We'll give you a free movie ticket. I mean, you know, you can risk an hour and 15 minutes in church with me and we'll give you a two-hour movie, right, for free. We'll give you a ticket. You know, maybe you think, well, we shouldn't bribe people to go to church. Hey, if, if it gets them here. Let me, let me give you another suggestion. Maybe you've been trying to get somebody to, to come to church. You have some friends. You say, oh, man, we got to get together. We never get together. We're always so busy. Hey, why don't you say, why don't you come to church with me on Saturday night or Sunday morning? And afterwards, I'll take you out to dinner. I'll take you out to lunch. You know, make it a little easier. Create that climate. Be intentional about helping people, you know, cross some of those barriers. Break break down some of those barriers. Make it easier. And finally, number six. Leave the door propped open. You know, um... So many people that you want to invite or share with, they're hard to talk to because somebody's been kind of rude or obnoxious from the church. (laughs) And leave the door propped open. I mean, there's only two reasons I leave a door propped open. Either I want some fresh air or I don't want to get locked out or have to get my key out again when I come back. And I want you to leave the door open so that you have an opportunity to share later. Paul has some great advice in 2 Timothy. He says, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. I mean, if you got friends, I mean, some people just like to argue. I mean, some people just, they're very rational. They're going to reason everything with you, and you're always arguing. You're not going to win anybody's heart with an argument. 
It's good to defend your faith and know how to share facts and things, but, you know, when you know that person just devolving into an argument, you know, you got to stop. And he says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. And then circle these next two words, gently instruct. Be gentle. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. And then here's a key that will give you some peace, that will take some pressure off of you. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. It's not your job to change somebody's heart. It's not my job to change somebody's heart. God's commissioned me to share about him, to invite, to create the right climate. But I don't change anybody's heart. I do my best, and people are going to make their choices, make their decisions. They're influenced by other things. But I have to trust that God might change some people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Leave the door open for future opportunities. Focus more of your energy on people who are open than people who are closed right now. I mean, you still be their friends if they're closed, but don't push. I mean, if you see your neighbor, you know, a couple times a, a month out in the, by the yard and you get in a conversation, don't invite them to church every time you see them if you've already invited them a few times and they haven't shown up. Because what are they going to do next time they see you? Run, right? Leave the door open. Pray for them. Be their friend. Try to help them out. Be there. Build that connection. So at the right time, pray for opportunities. Pray for an open door. But, but don't, don't be so pushy that they get... And then there's certain times during the year we try to remind you that people are a little more open, like Easter. Hey, what are you and your family doing for Easter this year? You guys going to church anywhere? Oh, no. You, are you thinking, would you like to come to church with us? So you look for those natural opportunities, Christmas or Easter or maybe a big event. And don't get down on yourself if people don't respond to your invitation. See, sometimes I get a little discouraged because, man, I've invited a lot of my neighbors many times. They're in really good shape. No, I haven't seen any. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them running away. But, <laughs> you know, I've invited a lot of people. And, and uh, when I'm out doing business, you know, uh, somebody gives me good service. I say, thanks so much for taking such good care of me. You know, you've, you've done a great job taking care of whatever. You know, if you ever need a great church, I'd love to invite you to come check out our church. You know, I don't have the advantage some of you do. I don't, I don't work with a lot of people who don't go to church. I don't go to school. With, I mean, I'm here. You guys are here, right? So I have to work a little harder. But I try to invite people all the time, and most of them don't show up. Sometimes it's a little discouraging. But then I reminded, you know what? It's not up to me. I can't make them walk through those doors. I can just invite and make them feel welcome. Who knows when they get in a bad situation in their life where they're going to turn. Maybe they're going to remember that someone showed them a little love and kindness. And in the back of their mind, they go, maybe I'll go down to that church. I remember there was that weird guy who, you know, told me about Jesus or invited me, whatever. I love what Bill Bright said. Successful witnessing or successful inviting is simply sharing Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. You know, just do your part. Do your best. You know, just like we I talked about back at, at Dunkirk, you know, all those sailors going over and rescuing those soldiers. God's called you and me to be part of his rescue mission. And take it seriously. You know, it's urgent. We don't have forever. Now, I know some of you are going to laugh because I, I saw on Facebook, you know, we had the earthquake this week, and 
I saw some of you jokingly put like, we will rebuild, you know, <laughs> right? It wasn't, but you know, and I, I moved to California like six weeks before the Loma Prieta earthquake. That was my welcome to California. That was the first, you know, biggest earthquake I was ever in. And I've felt some earthquakes since then, never really worried about them, never been scared. But I, something that other night, what was it, Monday night, that earthquake, it woke me up. My house is older, built in the 50s. I don't know how earthquake-proof it is. I'm only about, like, maybe a mile in a line from the epicenter, maybe less. We were pretty close, and I heard something creak really loud. Sometimes when my house settles, the beams creak. It woke me up. Made me a little nervous. I said, okay, I'm going back to sleep. And then we had another little jolt, and I felt that one pretty good because we weren't that far away. And it's the first time I ever felt a little afraid. You guys can mock me on Facebook if you want. It's okay. (laughs) But, you know, then I got to, like, start thinking, like, all the safety stuff. Should I get my family out of the house? Is it, you know, is, is there going to be more? Come, whisk, you know, what if I fall asleep? And, you know, I don't mind if I die. I'm going to wake up in heaven. But I sure don't want to be stuck under this for, like, seven days and then die. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want it to be quick. Just honest, all right? And then, then I had this thought, you know, like, okay, pray. I mean, I'm not, like, shaking in my boot. I'm just thinking, you know, I'll start praying. And then... God just impressed on my heart, you know, I started thinking about some people like I've been praying for or hoping I could share Christ with. And it's just like, well, what if I died? Who's going to share Christ with that person? Who's going to help? I started thinking about these people. So I really started having kind of a, a prayer time for them, praying right there for these three or four people, which pretty quickly put me back to sleep, I have to be honest. But I did pray for those people. Started thinking about, man, what about so-and-so? And you know, my point is, we're not guaranteed forever. You don't know, it might not be an earthquake. You might get hit by a bus or your neighbor might die. You just don't know. I mean, you get shocked, shocking news every day. And we got to take seriously. We have to be prepared and be ready and do our part and be intentional and ask God to help lead us and guide us and empower us to share Christ with people. Because the, the truth is, I mean, I believe the Bible. I believe all the good stuff. God's love and grace and his forgiveness, but also believe that someone who dies apart from God is destined to be apart from God forever. And it's a terrible thing. And we have to take it seriously. It's life or death. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? And maybe, you know, this message hasn't been real, really hit home for you because to be honest, you just don't care a whole lot about other people right now. You're just thinking about your own stuff. And maybe you got some big problems going on in your life, you're in a crisis, and you just take a moment and ask God to help you. But some of us just don't care enough about other people. I mean, we love them, we're nice people, but we really care about their souls. And you can ask God, God, your spirit is in me. Would you help me to have your heart, your mind, your your love and your care and concern for people who are far from you. Jesus said he came to seek and to save those who are lost. Give me that kind of heart. Some of you are afraid to share. Just ask God to give you his power and give you some courage. And maybe somebody here today, you, you don't know, you don't have Jesus in your life. You have some questions, you have some concerns, you have some doubts. And just pray and say, God, if you're real, if you're there, Help me to know you. Help me to see the truth. Help me to find you if it's real, if you're real. Lord, thank you. Thank you in our lives. Somewhere in our past, in our lives or our parents' lives or someone's lives, someone had the courage 
to invite them to church or to invite us to church. Someone had the courage to share their faith with us and to invite us to receive Christ. God, give us the courage. Help us to have that sense of urgency. Help us to have that passion, knowing that, man, for some people, we're the only hope they have to share Christ with them. And help us to, to take step up and answer your call to share about your love and your power and how you've changed our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, I need to share two things with you very quickly. Uh, first... Uh, some of you are probably wondering, like, what's going on on the building project out here? I mean, we're talking about inviting people, and if we all brought a friend, where would they all sit? That's why we're building a building, right? Things are still happening. Just want to let you know things are, things are happening. Um, the holdup is not the city. It's not the money. The contractor decided that, felt like they could save some money, uh, not just for them, but also for us. They felt like if they redesigned part of it, they could save some money that would allow us to finish a little bit more of the building inside and make it uh, more profitable for them and for us. But they're, the redesigning it has cost some time. You know, there's just a whole process you have to go through to draw it again, give it back to the city, wait. The city's been great. They're not the problem at all. So I just want you to know things are still happening, and they assure us that once things start, it's going to go really fast. So keep praying every day for that. Also, we're, as a church, we're not interested in just growing this huge, massive church, and we, our pl- goal is not to just keep getting bigger and bigger. We want to be a sending church. We want to send people out to reach other people in their communities. And so if you'd pray this week in uh, Hayward, in Eden Shores, they're having like a, a vacation Bible school for the kids there in the park. They've got uh, 25 or 30 kids signed up from the community there to come this week. And so the goal is to get a core of families that would help launch a church there in an area where there aren't any churches. So be in prayer for them this week. So if you're comfortable lifting a hand towards heaven with me, Lord, would you help us to live our lives daily, uh, yielding ourselves to your spirit, being filled with your spirit, uh, living with your power. God, give us your eyes and your heart to see the opportunities. Break our hearts for those people who don't know you, God, and, and just help us to be willing to take a risk for their sake and for your sake. God, we love you, and thank you and bless those who shared Christ with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.